Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 91 of the North Meet Southwest podcast. Why not? Right? I mean, why not? You got to have why some not? fun with it. Oh, I missed it. Dicka, dicka, dennit. Oh, Sorry. no. I was supposed to do that. I was supposed to do that every time. Hey, folks, Scrap we it. have amazing news. I want to start off the show with this. We found a colloquialism, which I'm going to have to look up the definition of that because I know that's the right word. A now, okay. A colloquialism is a word or phrase that is not formal or literary, typically one used in ordinary or familiar conversations. So the use of ordinary or familiar words or phrases, mm-hmm. right? So we were talking about some folks that were kind of advanced in their years. <laughs> and we both said at the same time, they are no spring chicken. That is the first one I have found that sort of, you know, we both understood. We said at the same time, yeah. this usually doesn't um, happen. It's usually like Michael says, I mean, it's not the cat's pajamas. It's like <laughs> the what? I was the, more impressed with the, the fact that we we said it at the exact same time and there was no latency I, yeah, I so that we actually said it at the same time. Yeah. That was impressive. I agree. Yeah, that that certainly never happens. So <laughs> No, that definitely never happens. So yeah, that was a fun way to start the the conversation here. So yeah, mm. absolutely. Hey, um, thanks for joining us. We've got uh, as always kind of our random smattering of thoughts we wanted to talk about uh with each other this week. Of course, this is always just kind of a chance for us to catch up and shoot the breeze, mm-hmm. if you will. And so uh, I wanted to talk to you real quick. I know that you say that you don't like doing this, but I just want to hear a quick update. How's work going? How's the new place? Uh, pretty good. Still uh, week three. Are we in week? F- no, we're in week five. Just finished week four. So yeah, starting this week, week is week, okay. five. Yeah, week five. Yeah, we've got a we've got a bank holiday here on, on Monday. So four day week okay, for me, nice. which is good. Yep. Yeah. It's been going well. The the last couple of weeks, I have been making responsive tweaks and changes and things like oh, that cool. to our yeah. website. So step one was figure out how to bring in Tailwind. Okay. Because prefixes, right? Yep. Yep. So we, we added prefixes because okay. they had sort of some utility classes. So there was the odd responsive and flex and and things like that. And uh, it's it's funny seeing a, a code base completely removed from Tailwind and and this whole mm-hmm. community that knows about it but having classes that were named the same which Oh interesting. which which so like they had their own atomic classes. So there was a there was class called nice. Flex and literally the only thing it did was set display flex. Yeah. So yep. you know it was it was interesting to see as I said something that's that's completely removed from Tailwind and from our community and and from all of that kind of stuff having used you know built atomic classes that that did the exact same thing with the exact same name so it, it mm-hmm. goes a long way to sort of see how you know Adam and and the team put together Tailwind in such a way that it it is as simple as it is like it's intuitive you would expect that flex sets something to display flex and things like that so um yeah we we set the the prefix configuration option on on Tailwind I brought in Laravel Mix just to do this, so there's no nice. build process or anything like that. the The website is so not all those file get contents are still there. All the file get contents are still there oh, yeah. that we talked about previously. It's it's tricky because they don't really want to introduce a build step. So as I've gone through and and built everything out using npm uh, using Tailwind, I've sort of done all the all the work. I've just been running Watch as I've 
I've had to extract a couple of component classes and I, I can talk a little bit about why that was um, later. Um, so, you know, done that and then essentially just shipping a, a compiled, you know, NPM run prod version of Tailwind and then just jamming that into the the roll-up that's already there. So that's been good. It's been it's been a little bit tedious um, because it's it's all built in PHP, but it's not templated. There's no ah, that's rough. Yeah, there's no there's, there's no, no like layout file or no anything layout like that. file, no yeah. blade, no components, no extracted Yikes. partials, Ouch. nothing like that. So there's a lot of duplication across all Which of the different of pages. It's a little bit surprising, honestly. Like a lot of a lot of times, like even if you don't have a great great templating language, in a lot of places you'll see like, you know, I know at least in some of the hand rolled stuff that I used to do is like you extract like a functions.php class or like mm-hmm. a header.php or you know, footer.php or something oh, yeah. like that. You know, so there is there's like a header and there's a footer.php file. There's an index like there's a front controller, which is kind of like Laravel's okay. index.php. And it sure. refers to pages and it includes them based on the query string. So it's got a, a sort right. of a, a router of, of some description and things like that. So it's it's, so all... it's not like they were just relying on like some HT access stripping off the yeah. .php and then just a flat file structure yeah. thing, not that. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, it, I mean, it's all there. It's just, you know, just just put together. So the, the, the trickiest part I had was obviously because all of these files were duplicated and they had lots of similar but slightly different components and and things like that yeah. shared across different pages it was you know got a copy and paste and then you know and and then and then you do hit that that sort of maintenance trap that is a worry for utility css in that well i've changed it from max width 6l here and now i have to go and change it, you know to set max width 7xl so i have to go and change it everywhere right. that i've done that so that it's yeah, consistent yeah. so yeah. um it wasn't too much of a, a an issue it's just the, the the repetition and then making sure everything's consistent which you know if you were using something like laravel with blade partials or, or components or if you were using view components or if you were using you know any number of different static site generators that would all be catered to the there is plans to sort of redo the whole website from scratch later in the year so it was kind of like just make it responsive now and worry about bits and pieces, you know, worry about that kind of thing later when the when the website gets redone. So grin and bear it for the time being. But um, yeah, went through and did all that, which was a, a good experience sort of going through and then obviously fighting some things. There's some subtle differences because Tailwind brings in its own normalize and its own base styles and things like that. So there's line heights that yeah, are slightly that different, which makes that, you right, know, the right. nav bar is is slightly taller, which means that some of the other stuff that's based around a, a certain height, you know, a fixed height of that nav bar is a little bit off in some places and and just kind yeah. of dealing with that kind of stuff. And then whilst Tailwind is Those very things are really tough to catch too, by the way, yeah. right? I mean, like, it's almost like you need a visual diff tool if you've seen those before. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, the folks who made... Um, what is it? GOIP stuff. What is that? I know those folks. Matthias and yeah, his wife. And Michelle. Yeah. 
Exactly. They they make that one visual diff tool where you can kind of take, take a snapshot before and a snapshot after and it'll like mm-hmm. kind of highlight the areas where it's different. Yeah. It'd almost be worth it. Like if you were introducing Tailwind to a site that doesn't have it, because it does slightly change some of those things, like those global settings, mm-hmm. like it almost might be worth saying like, okay, take a visual snapshot of this and then compare it before and after without doing any Tailwind style changes. Just like what is the reset to see what's different. Yeah. So you could see, yeah, yeah, that might be interesting. And it's, okay, and it's, sorry, and it's all, it's all very subtle things. Like Lara, uh, right. Tailwind will bring stuff. in line height, whereas there's no default line height. It'll set, it changes the box sizing from content box to border box or box, which one mm-hmm. of those, it, you know, yeah, right, it's slightly right, different. Yeah. And, and you know, having a different box sizing model means that things are slightly, you know, they'll be out by one pixel here and there because they're not accounting for your borders and things like that. So um, just little things like that, that now that I've finished doing all the, the rest of the site, I need to go back over and sort of fine tooth comb it. And there's bits and pieces that have kind of shifted by a few pixels that just need to be fixed up there. And just figuring out, you know, how to change that whether that be through the Tailwind config or Tailwind now gives you this at layer directive that you can use in your CSS. And you can say like, you could put it wherever. Before there was like in your main.css, you had at Tailwind base, at Tailwind components, at Tailwind utilities. And then you had to put things in a specific place if you wanted them to sort of take on the Tailwind components in in the sort of the hierarchy. But now there's like an at layer directive that you could say at layer base, and then it doesn't matter where you put it; it'll just sort of sort itself out. So, just a matter of figuring out the the right approach there and sort of fixing it up. So, yeah, it was just about getting some consistency. We had, you know, content was different widths in some places. The that we had like a floating footer that in some instances was wider than the content, in some instances it was narrower than the content and sort of just trying to get a bit of consistency across the site and then some pages that had just been put together on a at a desktop resolution, you know, 1920 by 1080, that as you collapsed that they sort of, there were layers that would just get over the top of each other or, or things that were not quite positioned. So just going through and then sort of bringing in a, a how few tailwinds. Like, how many pages? Yeah, how many pages are you talking about here? 20... 25-ish. Okay. Okay. That's not it's too not, terrible. I was It's not a massive yeah, site. And, and there curious. is some templated right. stuff. So there's like a blog, which is essentially two pages. There's an online sure. shop. There's a knowledge base, like a support section that's, you know, it's templated content. So it's not like I have to address all of that separately. Um, It's just, you know, update the templated pages and, and go from there. But the, the pages that were being updated, there was like plan selectors and... And, you know, these are the features and things like that. So there was a good opportunity there to sort of extract the the CSS components. So there's like a feature card and then getting a group of those and using CSS grid to then, you know, have two rows of, of three and then extracting that to a partial. So then I could reuse that because where the features between the plans were the same, I could just include that that file in those pages. So where it was previously just duplicated on on all the pages that I need to be, well, now I'm just including that partial, which allows me to change it all in one place and and then play around with things like that. So And then pulling in a few Tailwind UI niceties just around, you know, mm-hmm. if you've looked at their, their features with, you know, the ticks, just taking like globs of text and splitting them out and just making it a little bit more digestible and things like that. So it's been... Um, it's been a fun experience and, and Tailwind UI has made it really easy to sort of give it that designed look without having to go away and actually have it designed and just sort of freshen yeah. it up a little bit, um, which is mm-hmm. which has been nice. So there's, 
It's it's funny, like there's little things that Tailwind does like that just make the biggest difference. Like I went through one of our designs recently and realized that we didn't have, I think it's like letting regular. I think it's what it's called. You know what I mean? It's just like the yeah. line spacing is set to like 1.4 rems mm-hmm. or something. And you kind of look at it and you're like, man, that just doesn't feel right. And then you put that letting regular on it. I think it's like, it does, you know, it does that 1.4 rems. Yeah. And like, oh yeah. my gosh, it just feels yeah, like just, it can breathe yeah. now, right? Yeah. Like little stuff like that, that are just, the designer things that like designers know, but people mm-hmm. who kind of live in code all day. I mean, not not that that's not designers, but also just people who are kind of more concerned with getting the stuff on the page rather mm-hmm. than like I'm I'm tweaking the design all the time. Yeah, yeah. You get so much assistance just from kind of doing what Tailwind already kind of does for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and I think some of that stuff is included in and in, you know now that they have, I think it's called Pros. I think it's what it was. Is that what it's called? PR, PR. Yeah, there's the, the typography stuff. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it, right. in Tailwind too, they kind of just shipped a whole bunch of like these are the recommended letting line heights for yep. you know H1, H2, yeah. H3 paragraphs and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's a yeah. lot more opinions in there, but it does you know and and it is opinionated. But if you look at it, it does look nicer and it's and it's consistent across the whole board. And and you know anyone that's listened to any of the the talks that that Steve's given. And even just stuff that Adam has said, a a line height of one point four on a thing that is sixty pixels is different to one point four at twenty pixels kind of thing. So just adjusting that based on the different sizes and things like that really helps as well, and just makes everything to look a, a lot more cohesive and it look a lot nicer as well. So having the opportunity to go through and, and do all of that has been nice and just cleaning things up. I, I sent a screenshot to to Steve and I said, oh, I'm kind of struggling what to do with this. And it was kind of like a feature card which had an icon in the top left corner and then you have your title and then your text. And he's like, well, what if you took that icon that's in the top left corner and sort of like inset it so that it's above and in line with the text and slightly up and above the top of the box, you know, the feature card itself, and then invert the colors. So rather than having a red icon on a white background, have a white icon on the red background, whatever the color is for that hmm. thing. Yeah. And so, you know, just just those small little things that that really lift the design and make it look, as I said, designed without being designed. So it was nice to to hear from Steve and, and get a little bit of feedback there. So and, and I sent it through to my boss and he was a bit like at first and then he's like, actually, you know what? I've looked at it for five minutes and it looks nice now. So... It's, it's yeah, good it's to kind of, kind of get shock. that feedback. Yeah, it's, that, it's like, well, this is very different kind of thing. But it's nice sort of taking Firefox gives you the ability to sort of take a screenshot of a full page. You're right. And, Chrome does and too. And it's not without its errors. Like as it takes photo, uh, takes a shot and stitches it all together, some things don't quite line up. All the like background yeah, images I've and things that like that can disappear. Mm-hmm. And so you get these aberrations, but you get the, the general idea. And so taking a full page screenshot of the current website and then comparing that next to what what had been changed and it just it just looks that little bit cleaner and and nicer to look at so by the way for those who don't know how to do that in chrome if you open up your console tab and then press command uh command shift p or is it just command p? yeah command shift p i think should yeah, open up the, pa- the palette yep yeah the palette and then you can just say screenshot and it'll do capture screenshot full-size screenshot area screenshot and so yeah if you do that it works well too let's see if i can type in like mobile let me see Let's see, I feel like there was like a mobile screenshot or something as well. Mm, no, show media queries. That's cool. Anyway, yeah, I don't remember yeah, exactly that's, what that's it is. handy to have um, in, in Firefox. In you can just right click and 
and to say, take screenshot. You talked about grid a little bit as well. And Firefox has a really great set of tools for modifying and playing around with grid as well. Man, grid has been a godsend, really, honestly. Um, like I love Flexbox and I use it. I still use it all the time, right? But grid has been really, really nice for any time you have a set of things um, that are kind of repeating like that. And then you just kind of need to wrap them or change them at different sizes. Our, uh, our listeners can't can't see it but i just sent you some screenshots of the the before and after just to oh yeah you know and it's, it's not massive changes but it is you know just just tidying it up a little bit and and making it a little yeah. little more um cohesive in terms of design so. the top looks way better for sure but we shan't yeah that's good that looks really good i like oh, that how feature did section jake you are somehow too. muted what happened there how did you become muted i'm muted <laughs> oops i am muted sorry yeah. about that how did you you muted yourself i'm like you must be doing something. So, uh, oh, you know what it was? I know what it was. It was because I, um, it's because I was trying to figure out how to do that stupid screenshot. So, anyway, the funny thing is, you'll hear me talking and then you'll hear you talking over me and then me talking again because I was like, what is the world? I muted myself. My bad. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, yes. your site looks really great. Looks really, really great. I mean, the, I love the feature section at the bottom with the phone. Looks really mm. nice. Nice work. Yeah, just on that. A, so, you did all just that. Tied it up. Yeah. So, all, I mean, all of the, nice the assets and stuff were, were already there. It was just, you know, I came through and, and tidied it up. And as I said, just it was just about normalizing the design. It was about cleaning it up. It was about making it a little bit more consistent. There's, you know, still some things that could use a bit more love, but I think, you know, it's just the um the broad shogar effect. I think just having yeah. listened nice. to his, you know, a number of his talks and, and spoken to him about design and, you know, red refactoring UI and seeing the stuff that's coming out of Tailwind UI, it's easy to kind of get a feel for it. And uh, and just you know see how it all 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 is and works. So I was um what I the one thing I was saying too is that you'd mentioned grid. Mm-hmm. And so like grid is just uh really really nice. I I've loved working with it. Like flex is amazing. Use it all the time. But anytime you have something that's like a repeating set of things that you need mm-hmm. to kind of change based on the responsive you know the different breakpoints and stuff, grid's been super nice to work with. I was saying Firefox has a really really great set of tools for working with grid as well. Yeah. So if you're working with Grid at all, definitely check out Firefox's developer tools. Um, the other thing, just I was going to say, just before you move on, on on Grid, the only thing that agitates me about Grid, if you're using Flex and you have five five items, five what do you call yeah. them? cells? I guess five cells. Sure. If you're using Flex, you could say these are you know um, w dash one slash five to get one fifth, and then. Sure they'll sit next to each other and you can use the space utilities to get them to, to pad out and things like that. And then on a lower resolution, they'd wrap. So you'd have five on a desktop screen and then on an iPad size screen, they'd be like three and two. And then on a small mm-hmm. screen, they'd just be like, you know, two and two and one. And then eventually you get to a phone screen and it would just be five rows. With with grid, it gets a bit trickier because you'd want those things to be like two, two, and then the one would be in the middle. Right. And or it'd be three and two and the two would be centered under the three. Whereas with grid, uh, interesting. You have to change the number of rows at uh, the number of columns and then That's you'd have to offset them. So, you know, if you wanted to, to have five, I think I think I worked it out in the end, you have to have seven or eight columns as you get to a smaller thing so that you can then offset by one so that like the two at the bottom are, are offset correctly for the for the five at the for the three at the top kind of thing. So or it's maybe it's six. Because then you have two, 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 and then you have two and two, but offset by one, so that they they send center. So there are some scenarios where flex works a, 
a bit more easily. Like grid is mm-hmm. flexible and it and it'll work. It's just if you want things to be centered correctly, you've got a you've got to shuffle the number of rows and columns around based on your breakpoints. So I mean Tailwind makes that it easy make because sense. your breakpoints are yeah. your breakpoints. There's I did tweet during the week that like there's this murky area between like a portrait iPhone and um like your small breakpoint where like if you have your iPhone in landscape, there's like this weird twilight zone of like not quite small, not quite like not quite default, not quite small. And so it's hard to kind of position things in that area. Um, and I think the general consensus from the replies I got was just to do whatever you can to make that painful so people don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> make it the worst experience you can so that they do not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's crazy because like, I'm going to try and stop saying like, first of all. But second of all, I remember when you'd have a site like what you're dealing with right now. And there was no framework introduced necessarily. Okay. So there was no bootstrap or foundation mm-hmm. yet. And so there was no ability to have sort of breakpoints unless you decided to kind of go all in and say, okay, we're going to start wrapping everything with like these calls and these, you know, you're going to have, all, you're going to put everything in like the grid, right? In the tailwind grid or not tailwind, but the base, um, man, bootstrap grid. Mm-hmm. Right, or foundation grid. And then you got responsive ability to do stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit. I don't think I am though, because with Tailwind, like it just makes doing that stuff so freaking simple. Like the ability to add, because you never had those responsive. I mean, you did later in later versions of Bootstrap you did. Mm-hmm. But those things that you would need, with which were like, okay, if you're on a small screen, do this. The wonderful thing about Tailwind is that you literally have every single class you can add for every single mm. size. It's so nice. Like you have all the freedom you could possibly need. You know, people who do the hand rolled version of it, it's like if you're doing um, BEM style sort of class names or whatever, you literally have to have a new media query for every single class and it's just so painful it's so painful yeah and so anyway yeah it's just been it's brought a lot of freedom or it's just so much easier to use i feel like than it ever has been to do that sort of responsive stuff and then so the other things you have too is like because you're using the same exact classes all the time and like you get purge CSS for free, right? With Tailwind now, mm-hmm. your CSS files stay incredibly small, right? Because you're not having a new media class for every single one of these things. Your your HTML grows in size a little bit, right? But as long as you're like extracting components and things like that, if you have um, like a templating system that allows you to do that well, you really don't incur any penalty it doesn't yeah. feel like right you still have the reusability of it while not having to write css right it's like i'd rather write a little bit more complex html than have mm-hmm. to dive into css all the time yeah um and so this argument's been made hundreds of times right like this is the people who are advocating for atomic css sort of stuff but kind of like what you said at the top is like you know you you ended up finding that oh they did end up making some of their own atomic classes it's just people like tailwind went ahead and went all out with it yeah. Beard CSS was my first experience. You remember Beard CSS? I don't yeah. know if you were around when that yeah, was. Yeah, I was it. around. Like I was Mr. around. Mr. Hemp Hill. He kind of made Beard CSS. And I was, I like, I remember um, markdowntomedium.com was a site that I had made with Beard mm-hmm. CSS. 
And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'm, I'm going to get used to this. And then it was like Tailwind came out shortly thereafter. Yeah. And so, yeah. And anyway. that was that was the end of the line there. <laughs> yeah, that was the end of the line there. Yeah. But so like I remember one time I was at this conference called an event apart. So Eric Meyer and Jeffrey Zeldman, Eric Meyer is like the godfather of CSS and Jeffrey Zeldman's like Mr. Standards for HTML. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were at like a bar after the after the one meeting or the one uh, day of the conference. And I was asking them about some stuff. And they're like, oh, you remember like when you had to do like table display cell whatever and i was like i mean like i've never really had to do that like oh my gosh you're so spoiled they're like you're so like you have no idea what you don't have to endure and i feel like people who are using like tailwind and stuff like we're the we're the old guard who's like oh my gosh you have no idea how bad it used to be yeah like the wars the wars we fought with media queries this this website so on that tailwind is mobile first and utility first right so everything assumes that you're that whatever CSS, like if you do flex, uh, flex coal space Y to whatever, that will yeah, apply right. from the smallest screen size all the way up to all the way to the largest, yeah. all the way to the largest, or up until the next breakpoint. So if you if you go, you know, I want to have one column with three rows at my smallest resolution, and then when I get to uh, a medium, which is like a seven sixty eight by ten twenty four iPad kind of thing. Then it's three columns and one row. Everything right. in Tailwind you have to override is, your other column, your other ones, right? Yeah. yeah. Everything, everything in Tailwind is mobile first, which means that it's min width for all of the the breakpoints. Whereas the site that I've been working on is max width, and so there's like all of this yeah. weird stuff that's like do all of these things up to 600 pixels, and then there's like typically with the breakpoint, you try and like figure out your breakpoints and design within that breakpoint, which is not necessarily the right thing like you look for where your content breaks and you design based on right where the content breaks so there are a few places there's like here's a breakpoint at like 650 and there's two or three classes in there and then it's 800 and then it's 700 and then there's you know 950 and then there's all these different things so i suppose a completely custom design where it's built specifically mm-hmm. you a more control you've got yeah. more control over it and so you do build your CSS to the breakpoints of your content. Whereas because Tailwind and and Bootstrap and Foundation and whatever else, they're trying to give you a a broad selection. They're like, these are the breakpoints and you kind of end up designing to those. So it was interesting seeing that and and sort of going, ah, oh, I remember doing that before yes. you know, Bootstrap yeah. was a thing and before Tailwind was a thing and then um, and and then you you know you mentioned using display cell. Well, there are a few places where there's display table, display cell, <laughs> display table cell. There's even a few places that are just straight up using tables for a uh, for layout where there is not tabular data. So, do they have any invisible? Uh, do they have any transparent gifs to align stuff? Or uh, no? no, no transparent <laughs> gifs. No, but there I'm is teasing. lots of like very that, specific oh, like style margin topic minus 227 or things like that so there is specific spacing style attributes the good thing too is like okay so with that that you're what you're saying is absolutely correct like in some senses like things like view components allow you to do very very like if you if you broke everything down into like view components or even like web components i suppose whatever we're like maybe not web components i don't know enough about that to say that but with view components you have the css the script and the template all embedded in one spot right so mm-hmm. you literally could write scope your own components sort of scope yeah, from scratch like, like you yeah, could yeah. write your own stuff right that would be possible and that yeah, would which probably is totally be a thing. Way to and it's fine it. because at least it's you know it's scoped to that thing so in 
in Correct. a view component, if you have like style, space, scoped, it means that anything that you generate there will be specific to that component only. And then view Correct. when it when it compiles, it adds like a suffix or a prefix or something so that, you know, it does specifically target that yeah. component. It has like a unique ID or something. Yeah. And it's and it's a good approach when you're using those tools to sort of componentize everything. There are there are there are like we talked about the functions file. There is there is a functions file or three. Um, and it's got functions that that are responsible for generating like a, a plan selector or a plan comparison thing. And then it's like, here's the PHP thing. And then it's just like a wall of HTML just like in there and uh, like tables. And so you lose all the syntax highlighting because it's just a text string. You lose any sense huh. of like being able to navigate this file. Like once it's there, it's there. And if you, you know, you yeah. could end up with like, an unclosed tag somewhere and then the whole website breaks and then trying to figure out where that is is just a bit a bit hellish but um i i made it through to the end i got there and uh i'm i'm it looks wonderful pleased with with the changes yeah so i say as I, as i said to the listener to quote another podcast <laughs> the customer it's uh that so that's the screenshot of the of the home page but there's you know a whole bunch of other pages that have been tidied up and Look a little bit more respectable and just a little bit more consistent, which just I think elevates it elevates the business, the professionalism, or the you know, it looks cohesive kind the of presence. Thing. Yeah, sure, looks really good. Love it. Um, what else was I gonna say about that? Probably some other old man complaining stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, you were you were gonna? Um, I think you were about to talk about grid. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. I was gonna say it was when you were saying stuff about grid, about it being like you have those weird spacing things that mm. that may, that tipped me off to the fact that they were using max max width instead of min width. Because, uh, I and I think what I was gonna say too is like basically the nice thing about Tailwind is that it does allow you to kind of set your own breakpoints. So if you wanted to have a default and then an S and then an SM and then an M and then an ML mm. and then an L and then an LX and then an XL and then an yeah. XL2, right? Whatever. You can do that. Like you can totally do that. Mm. And again, you lose some of that like super, super, super customized ability uh, for the sake of convention, right? Yep. And that's the, that's the probably the long-term thing. It's like it's convention is like the hero of the day. It's not perfect for sure. But for what it gets you, it's like worth it, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of like we at work have to go through these like acceptable risk things for compliance, like on a quarterly basis, right? It's like, okay, like you look down the list and you're like, you know, okay, this is a risk. Well, how much of a risk is it? Like, is it actually a risk? And then you're like, no, like what's the biggest fallout you're going to get from this? It's like not that big a deal, right? It's yeah. just, and then how much would it cost to fix it? Way more than it's worth. Okay, it's an acceptable risk. If it happens, it happens, right? Sort of deal. And it's the same thing with like this. It's like, Okay, you're gonna get this little tiny weird breakpoint that probably not very many yeah. people are gonna see. Is it worth it? Well, like if your client is that picky, mm-hmm. if they're really, really concerned about it, then okay, maybe. I mean, or if you're like having an un- if you have an unlimited budget and you want to spend the money on making sure that every breakpoint is like perfect, then sure, go for it. And if your co- client is never gonna edit that content, also, by the way. Right. Because as soon as they edit that content and there's another item in there, now you're mm-hmm. probably screwed. So Good luck with that, right? So anyway, all yeah, that to a, say, yes, conventions a, and tailwind and all that for the win. That's an interesting point just on that. Us as as developers, you're going to sit there in responsive design mode and you're going to start dragging the window, like where does it break kind of thing. But the thing is, people don't do that. People's generally speaking, their browsers, I mean, browsers, people might full screen, but you might have it to a third or whatever. 
But generally speaking, you're on a phone or you're on an iPad in either portrait or landscape or you're in a, you know, 1920 by 1080. And so people aren't going to often necessarily be at like 767 pixels or something or, you know, where you're between these breakpoints where it breaks. So if you're in between there, I, I would suggest that that's a minority of people that are on those sort of in-betweeny places. And to save yourself, you know, pain and suffering and and so much time, just look at your main breakpoints like phone, tablet, desktop, really. I mean, I know Tailwind has, you know, the default, which is phone. Then you've got small, which is a 640. You've got medium, which is your iPad portrait at 768. Then there's 1024, which is... Again, your tablet, iPad kind of thing in, in landscape. Then there's 1280, which is the common or was the common sort of desktop. And then there's 1536, which is, I suppose, where you'd be on a standard full HD display. So try and constrain yourself a little bit and, and then work within those bounds. And things would be slightly different in between sort of 1280 and 1536 and things like that. But I wouldn't stress too much over it because you just never finish your design. Exactly. And if there is a special use, use case, you could always write it in, right? But um, you go look at you go look at the Tailwind site and then tell me that it's not good enough. And then I will believe you that you have yeah. a need that can't be fixed. Also, you mentioned, method, right? last thing, and then we'll move on from this, that you mentioned the, sure. um, you know, that there's the MX and, and the ML, MR, MT. Go and have a look at the, um, the inset documentation <laughs> for like, for absolute positioning and and just scroll through the list of how many variations there are and then <laughs> multiply that by however many breakpoints there are by default. I think it's five or six breakpoints and just the mind boggles how big that CSS file is if you do not oh, yeah. run purge. Oh, yeah. Megabytes and megabytes and megabytes. I think the, massive, I think the default right? is about 4.1. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. But that's why, I mean, like that's, uh, you know, purge to the rescue. I mean, it mm-hmm. works so well. And then... Yep purge and gzip and you're down to nothing right because most of the time you don't use a ton a ton of ton of classes right purge that was an andrew so, del Preti thing wasn't it he i'm pretty sure mr del Preti introduced adam to purge because there was another have. one yeah. there was another one that adam was using before purge which was similarly named but not quite the same and and the benefit of purge css is that it's very dumb in its approach in that it just looks for the exact matching string so it'll look for flex. It'll look for MT5. You know, it'll look for that exact thing. And then if it sees it anywhere, it'll do it. So which is why it's important and why it's mentioned over and over again to not dynamically stitch together your class names. Like if you're going to uh, have yes, a, right. you know, Don't, yeah. MT5 or MT7 dynamically generated based on some variable condition, then don't have like MT dash dot and then like your ternary in line there, like just just do your logic and then do the full string MT-5 or MT-7. Otherwise, purge won't find it. And then you might find that when you run NPM run prod and as part of your deploy script and a whole bunch of stuff breaks because there's all these classes missing because of the of the concatenation of, of your uh, class names and things like that. So free piece of advice that well actually you know there's been 20 minutes of free pieces of advice so <laughs> <laughs> take them or leave them right that's it do what, what you want worth. i'm not your dad hey yeah exactly except you eli i know that sometimes you watch this yeah it, it, eli if you're watching this right now he is your dad 
So I wanted to talk a little bit about that Wants app that we've been using for the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, which is going really well. Yep. Uh, but I also wanted to tell you real quick that I've been trying to do network cabling a little bit at my house. <sighs> how many how many feet of cable have you cut, crimped, got wrong, crimped again? Oh, I just did that last night three times, I think. Mm-hmm. I got the end and I was like, dang it, I think I flipped the, the order. I didn't flip the order. I just put the, the end of it on wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I like didn't. You know, I put the the like little thing that clicks in. I put that up instead of down or something. Mm. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I ran to work this morning and got like a cable tester because I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't run around and like, is this cable right? Does this not work? I mean, like, oh my word, the worst. So anyway, yeah, that's been kind of fun. So I've been uh, running cable from my modem down to. <laughs> Like my fiber comes in on one side of the house, runs all the way to the other side of the house. It goes up into my like laundry room because my laundry room is like in the middle of the house. It goes up into my laundry room. I have my my modem and then my router in there. And then my switch is in the basement. So I run another cable from there all the way back down to the basement. And then I have another cable that runs all the way up to like where the PS4 is and stuff. And then it's like I ran all that yesterday and then I plugged it into the PS4. It's like I'm like, okay, connect with like whatever. And it's like plug in a LAN cable. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, why isn't this working? And then I cut off the one end and rewired it and plugged it back in. It's like, connect a LAN cable. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yep. So anyway, it's been it's been interesting. I've gotten much better at putting ends on cables than I was in the past, mm-hmm. um, but still not great at it. Yeah. So I bought. I wouldn't a- want to do it for a job. We'll put it that way. No. I, well, I mean, you'd get good at it if you did it for a job, I hope. But um, True. I, True. I bought a crimping tool and a cable tester some time ago and i don't remember why i bought it and i never used them so they're just sitting in my drawer now <laughs> yeah i have i had like a thousand foot box of cable and a crimper and whatever mm-hmm. and so i had some stuff around just because i you know i bought it one time and it was like exactly the same thing like the intention of actually running some stuff and i was like dang this stuff is hard to do like i'm not mm-hmm. really sure i'm really all that interested in doing this like i'll just get faster internet or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep. you know it's like i'll get faster internet and wi-fi i guess i don't know mm-hmm. anyway it's been it's been an interesting experiment it's been fun if for nothing else just to kind of like you know just just to try it out and see how it goes but Anyway, do you do you know the pattern that you use? I had to remember. I had to remember it. It's Not like, off the top of my head. Yeah, I had to look it up. I think it's white orange. Am I get it right? I think it's a white orange. Is it orange white or white orange or whatever it is? This is the cable with the striping. Yeah, white orange orange, white green blue, white blue green, white brown brown. Things what it is. And there's two different standards, so you got to make sure you don't screw it up and don't mix them up. Yeah, doesn't doesn't matter too much as long as it's the same on both ends, really. Yeah. Um. My. Google I can hear. Home thought I was just talking to it. I don't know why. Because no. I was talking anyway. Okay, so wants. So uh, it's been going good, almost too good. Like people have been like, "Oh yeah, I've been putting in all my wants and everything, whatever." Like literally, all like everybody just throws up in there. But the good news is, like, I don't have to do anything until I decide I want to, right? <laughs> which has been great. Yeah. But one interesting thing that's happened, which. I did not foresee, and I think maybe you had said this, like you had said maybe give them a limited number of votes, right? Mm -hmm. So now they only can, people can only upvote once per want. So they can't upvote it multiple times. They can only, they can only like give it a thumbs up one time. So each person gets one of those, but they could literally go through every single one of them and thumbs up them, Mm -hmm. right? Because they don't have a limited number. Correct. So it's like, I feel like, you know, like, 
Dig or Reddit. Like, didn't they've got some sort of system? I don't know. I never upvote anything on Reddit. Do they have like a limited number of upvotes you can give or no? I don't think so. No, I think no. I feel like Dig did. Maybe Dig did. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, but anyway, like, so there was a couple ideas there, like limited number of that. And then also the idea that like, maybe if you had a limited number, you could choose to apply all of your upvotes to a particular one. Like basically like, this is so important. I want to throw all my weight behind this one. Right. Mm -hmm. And then also this idea. So Canico actually called me the other day and he was like, Hey, I heard you guys talking about this. I had some ideas. And so his idea was to say that people relative, uh, um, relative to their position in the company should have different numbers of votes that they can cast, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you have the CEO, maybe he gets as many votes as is equal to the number of people he manages, right? Yeah. Just as like, I or, mean, that's just yeah, a completely just, arbitrary just metric. weighting them basically. Yes, correctly. Correct, exactly. Just weighting their votes for more, right? So you could either do that by saying they get more votes or you could do it by saying each one of their votes counts for more, right? Yeah. And then in your scoring of that thing to say like how badly is it wanted you could calculate that one of a couple of ways mm -hmm. right like like i said like either just they get more votes so they can push more votes onto it or each one of their votes counts for more i think it's a little bit difficult because like part of this is so is like a grassroots thing it's like people who don't normally have a voice can have a voice because anybody can put a want out there right and so it's more like the people who don't normally get to decide what gets built are now getting to decide what's built based just on user demand instead of, well, the executive says this is important, so this should, should happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like they already get a vote. They have votes outside of this system. Like if they say something is getting built, it's getting built, right? Because they're paying for it, right? So it's kind of like they don't really even need a voting system. If they say it's happening, it's happening. Correct. So I don't know that I want to do that because it sort of feels like it's taking away the voice of everybody else. It's basically like you're just giving them another place to push their weight yeah. around, I guess. Not that they're I, like, you know, that sounds bad, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it sort of like defeats the purpose. I suppose that's where you sort of look at the shaping, sort of the, the base camp shape up thing where you go, all right, well, this is our six week cycle and we're going to do this one director board whatever thing that's that's yeah. three weeks and then the other three weeks we're going to fill in with the other tasks from wants like you have to yeah you have to figure out how to slot them all like you know tetris them all together so that everyone sees like something's getting done and and this is what i said mm -hmm. you know last episode that you can't you can't let it become a either a dumping ground or a just a a place for things to go to die because if people see that nothing's happening with the things that they're putting in there then then nothing, you know, they'll just stop using it. Yeah, exactly. So and so that's, and that's a matter of also like, sort of managing expectation with all of the stakeholders, yeah. but also making sure that you have buy-in from the senior levels of the business that they understand that like if this is going to work, then they can't just come in and, and sort of override everything. Like if you decide that we're going to do this one three-week thing for management and then these five things for the other three weeks for, you know, the broader business, then there has to be buy-in that that's what's going to happen. Because if there's no buy-in from everyone, then it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things to consider, but um, like there's also, so like originally there wasn't this idea of like being able to close one out, but you do have ones that are like, that's like, it's literally impossible. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Hey, um, we want to be able to edit a want after we put it in. It's like, mm, it's sort of like editing a tweet. 
Right? Yeah, I was going to say, you're you turning will. into Twitter like, there. Like, exactly. Because it's like, okay, I put a tweet out and then I get a bunch of likes and a bunch of retweets and then I change the Twitter and then I change the tweet. Well, it's like, you mm. can't really do that. It's sort of like once it's written, it's written. Like if you yep. change, if you made a mistake in the text, well, you made a mistake in the text. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, you're going to have to deal with that. Right. So the only, and then there was actually other ones too, where they're like, oh, there's this form that we fill out that we, we, we make mistakes on a very common basis. It's like, well, then don't make the mistake. Like, don't. <laughs> And they're like, well, what if we just had like a warning thing that said like, hey, are you sure? And it's like, well, you're just going to press enter faster then. Like you're just going to enter, 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 enter until it goes through. Like it's just, you're going to blow right through that. You're still going to make mistakes. Like you just got to be careful. Like, and if you, you know, you know, maybe there's a way to say like, oops, I didn't mean to do that. Stop Mm. it. Like maybe delete it or something like that. Like if it's within the first five minutes and you realize you made a mistake, then delete it. That's possible, I suppose. And then make a new one, right? But probably not like... I'm going to edit it after the fact. It just doesn't yeah, work, right? So, correct. so some of those we'll have to like close out, right? The ideas are interesting. It's just that we don't really have. There's no real mechanism to do that. So, so I think, like you said, like in the in the interest of keeping it not a dumping ground, we'll have to do that. The other thing that we have is, it is what it does is it frees me up from having to answer these tickets immediately. The expectation is that these will be reviewed once a month. Right. So it is not broken. And mm-hmm. if it's like previously, if it was a ticket, like there was an SLA on it. So it's like if it hasn't been answered in this many days, it's red. Like it's out of SLA. You failed to accomplish what you were supposed to with this. Yeah. With wants, there is no such thing. So like they throw it in there and it's like it will get reviewed once a month. If it's not one of the top ideas, it got reviewed, but it wasn't one of the top ideas. So no worries. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that's good. It still is, you know. It's accomplishing its purpose. And sometimes people just like to feel like they've been heard, right? They have this idea, they put it out there, and it's out there now, right? Yep. And if people like it, then great. If not, then whatever, you know? So anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been it's been good. It's still a good, it's still an ongoing experiment. So and if any of you out there have ideas, have have more ideas, uh, I, th- I think it'd be great. I do, the one other thing I wanted to do too, is like right now, each comment is worth two points of weight and each like is worth one point of weight yeah right and but you can have people who comment on something multiple times so it doesn't make sense Mm. that each time they comment should add weight to it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. right now it just looks at the total number of comments it's like well i mean just because there's discussion on it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea and also if it's the same two people commenting back and forth to each other that definitely doesn't mean that it's got more interest it's like if if different people have commented on it, or it could be ten people commenting and saying, "Oh, this is garbage," you know. Yes, right. So that, but if, that if will same, float that to the know. top, but then it's like, okay, well, I've just spent time looking at this thing that that looks popular, but it's all negative commentary, and people are more right. likely also, to comment to say, "I don't like it," and you know, if they like it, they'll just tick the thing. Then they'll go, "Yep, I like it," and they won't they won't engage with that right. thing. Yeah. So, so I think maybe more than like, maybe better than just saying like count the total number of comments and weight it by that. It's like count the total number of unique users that have commented on this thing mm-hmm. sort of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, those are some, those are some takeaways I've had. Um, and uh, again, maybe eventually we will just get Jonathan's permission to say like, Hey, can we, can we share like a updated version of kind of like what we've done with this? And, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll do that. It's yeah. got a couple things that he didn't have, like my wants. So you can see a screen that's like the ones that you've submitted. We've got the ability, like I don't think he, I'm not sure if he had the ability to do comments. Yeah, he did. He did have the ability to do comments. I'm trying to remember which portion he didn't have yet. I think he was just generating a lot of this stuff through the database, Mm. like seeding it. So he had the UI for it, but didn't he didn't actually have the ability to create a new want or the ability to make a new comment. And so Wilbur Powery created like 
you know, he used tricks and did all that, connected it up to an S3 bucket. So you can just paste in screenshots and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's looking, it's looking pretty good. I, I really enjoy it. I think it, it works well for our folks. So yeah. Report back once yeah, you do so your kind of what's first sort of, yeah, we're going to do know, that this run Wednesday, through. the 10th. Yeah. Once you do your first yeah. run through and sort of pick out some things and see if it elevated the quality of, you know, what you normally get reported via whatever means you had before versus the wants app. I'll tell you what it did do. I got to close out about like 50 tickets because I basically looked through, I, I went through all the tickets and I said anything that was in the on hold status were ones that I said, basically I determined were features. Mm-hmm. And so I emailed all those people and said, hey, you have tickets out here. These are going to be closed out on the 7th. Uh, no, on the 8th. These are going to be closed out on the 8th if you haven't converted them over to a want. So mm-hmm. if you want them, convert them. Otherwise, I'm closing them. And so everybody was like, oh, okay, I've pushed over the ones that I still think are relevant, right? Because a lot of them weren't anymore. So yeah, it's working out. I think yep. that's that that's helped me for sure. So perfect. Well, hey, man, I think it's a good place to start wrapping it up. I think so. Um, anything else you want to mention before we before we close this out here? No. Football, football's okay. back. Football's back. So I'm going to go and watch that now. My team starts in five minutes. Awesome, so. man. All right, I'll get. I'll make this quick. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in with us and listening to episode 91. You can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 91. Hit us up on Twitter at Jacob and at Michael Dorinda. We always love hearing from you. And if you like the show, please write it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. Thank you also to Joe Lennon and Work of Evo. We love you guys. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Go check out workvivo.com if you have not done so before. It's like social media for your workplace. Pretty awesome. They do a great job over there. Thanks, everybody. We will see you in a fortnight. Bye.